Welcome to Diving Deeper. I'm your host, Kate Nielsen. Are you familiar with the Intracoastal Waterway? This route extends approximately 3,000 miles and is essentially two waterways along the Atlantic and Gulf Coasts. While transiting this path, boaters will encounter different ports, U.S. Coast Guard facilities, military bases, and even coastal ecosystems. Today, we will be joined by Captain Shep Smith and Don Forsyth from NOAA's Office of Coast Survey to share the history of this waterway and how it is noted on our nautical charts. Thank you both for joining us today. Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. So, Captain Smith, can you expand more on my opening description of the Intercoastal Waterway? So the Intracoastal Waterway is a protected body of water that stretches all the way from New Jersey to Texas and meets many of the local uh, coastal communities. And it's a, it's a protected waterway for small boats to be able to travel the coast of the, the, the East Coast and the Gulf Coast of the U.S. Great. Thank you. Can one of you tell us a little bit about the history of this route? Well, it's actually got a pretty interesting history. You know, when motorboats started coming into their own, getting popular around the beginning of the 1900s, Coast Survey saw that there was a need for special charts for the recreational boaters for these power boats. And so they started uh, developing these, the intra-coastal waterway route or the charts. And so the first charts appeared around 1912 and they were basically put into a, um, a little book called The Inside Route, especially for recreational boaters. And those, those charts were pretty static until the 1930s when the Public Works Administration, you know, after the Depression, a lot of money came into the government for uh, recovery and in infrastructure. And Coast Survey got some substantial funding and used it to put out field teams and did a complete rework of the intracoastal waterway. And so those were, like I said, around 1935. And the problem was is that they've been pretty static um, up until modern times. And is the intercoastal waterway intended more for commercial shipping or is it more that recreational boaters transit this waterway too? Yes, uh, it's both, and various d different sections are used primarily by different groups. Some parts are clearly commercial in nature, uh, where there are tugboats uh, that travel in these protected waterways. Other parts may have been once commercial and are now mostly recreational. But there is a, there's a really very large community of thousands of boats that travel up and down the intracoastal waterway every season to go south for the winter and north for the summer and they use the Intracoastal Waterway for, for most of the trip. Okay, and how is the waterway depicted on NOAA's nautical charts? So it is shown as a magenta line, which is how it's commonly known since it's not actually named. The line itself has, has become called the magenta line and uh, it generally follows the watercourses of natural, natural waterways and dredge channels and occasionally will show the way through a complicated maze of islands or, or small waterways. Okay. And is this magenta line, is it meant to be a navigation route that folks can follow directly? 
Not directly. Uh, it shows the, the general route, so it shows you which, which waterways comprise the intracoastal waterway. Now we make some attempt to ensure that the depiction of the line itself is in safe water and in the water and not on the land and that sort of thing, but it's not intended to replace all of the other ways that mariners choose a good route through these waterways. One of the interesting things about the Intracoastal Waterway is that they'll come up to a spot where different waterways will branch off and if you if you don't have the Intracoastal Waterway chart, you may end up where you don't want to be. So that magenta line gives them sort of a directional guide on the branch of the waterway that they should take. Okay. Okay. In addition, there are mile markers that are that are charted, and those are often uh, referred to by local businesses or marinas to say that we're between you know mile 100 and 101 of the intercoastal waterway. Okay, and I'm guessing then maybe that this magenta line appears on all NOAA nautical charts that are along the path in the Atlantic and the Gulf Coast. Is that correct? It's not quite true. There okay. are, there's a series of charts that are really the, in, the ones that are intended to be used to follow the intracoastal and the magenta line. There are intersecting charts that are really used for deep draft traffic coming into major ports and they may cross, the magenta line may happen to cut, go over a portion of that chart but it's not necessarily shown on all charts and it's not shown on the smaller scale charts, only on the large scale charts of the coast. The charts are called the Intracoastal Waterway Charts. And there's, a, I believe, 53, 54 of those charts that show the magenta line, that specifically show the magenta line. A few years ago, we started getting increasing number of reports of problems with the magenta line. And now we, we have attributed this mostly to uh, years of changes to the to the Intracoastal Waterway that weren't necessarily reflected in changes to the Magenta Line. And in addition, boaters are were starting to are starting to use electronic navigation in these waterways to more precisely follow the line in a way that it was not originally intended. As a result, we uh, about a year ago we suspended the publication of the magenta line while we went through a study of validating the requirement to keep it and to um, to rebuild it so that it was fit for use and so we've you know we've done that over the course of this last year and, and over the next few months we'll begin to put it back on the charts that are published from here on out yeah we should add that the response from the especially from the recreational boating community was tremendous in support of keeping the magenta line and recognizing it for the value that it can add to their um, boating experience. Captain Smith, what is the future then for the magenta line? Uh, we have begun a process of rebuilding it from, uh, from the charts and from other source materials from New Jersey all the way to Brownsville. And as part of that, we have, uh, we're encouraging input from experienced users. Um, they can do that directly to us through our inquiry system on our website, or they can use Active Captain, which we have recently signed a partnership with Active Captain to have access to their hazard database. And uh, so there are tools within that sort of social network that we can, we can use to, to get that information as well. 
So since the chart updates will be rolling out over the next couple of years with the, with the correctly placed magenta line, what is the best advice you have for boaters during kind of this interim period for people who are using NOAA's nautical charts and also want to route a course along the intracoastal waterway? What would you recommend for safe navigation? Uh, they certainly should have the most up-to-date chart, uh, whether or not it has an updated magenta line on it. And in addition, uh, you know, pay close attention to the navigation aids because they often change in, and in between new editions of charts. And so they, they should always be respected. If their nav aid says to go on this side of the shoal, you should go on that side of the shoal. There's a, there's a lot of information available through local knowledge and cruising communities and that sort of thing on how to handle some of the trickier inlets and, and, and passages and uh, seek out and follow that advice as well. On a personal note, in your personal lives when you all aren't here at work, I wanted to ask if either of you have ever done some boating and if you've traveled on the intercoastal waterway. I have. I have not done a lot of it, but uh, I have done the route from the Chesapeake down into North Carolina following uh, a section uh, called the Dismal Swamp Canal, which was actually surveyed by George Washington himself um, and dug, I, I believe, with slave labor um, back in the, uh, in the, uh, in, in the 18th century. Um, but it formed a, a really important commercial waterway at the time, connecting the Chesapeake Bay uh, to the Albemarle Sound. And uh, so I've, I've traveled that section uh, a, f a few times. And my last question for you both is just to see if you had any final closing words to leave our listeners with. Well, I think if, if anything, it's um, first, I'd really like to thank the recreational boating community for responding so um, vibrantly, I guess is the word, to our request for what they thought about the Magenta Line, how they use it, and what they envision for the future. You know, we're, we're making a lot of changes with our charts, with our chart production, with our chart delivery systems, with what we've got available for free on the web. And I think that it's really valuable for us to hear from as many people um, and as many different experiences and as many different uses for the charts. And um, that helps us just produce a better product for everybody. Thank you so much to Captain Shep Smith and Dawn Forsythe for joining us today on Diving Deeper to discuss the Intracoastal Waterway and the status of the Magenta Line on NOAA's nautical charts. To learn more, please visit nauticalcharts.noaa.gov. That's all for today's show. Diving Deeper will be back in just two weeks.